Welcome to the study of God's Word with pastor and author Ed Taylor, recorded live from Calvary Chapel in Aurora, Colorado. To learn more about the many resources available through Abounding Grace Media, visit us online at calvaryaurora.org or download our free app on all platforms. And now, here's Pastor Ed to take us into our study. Amen. All right, take your Bibles, open them to Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5, and 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5, and 2 Corinthians chapter 8, in a Bible study that I've entitled, Afflictions Deepen Our Generous Hearts. Afflictions Deepen Our Generous Hearts. And in our study last time, we learned how in deep trial and pain, that we're to avoid covetousness. And the way to avoid covetousness is to be content, to learn to be generous, so that we're not in a place of upset about what we don't have, but rather we're in a place of being content with what we do have, and our hearts are generous. Notice with me in chapter 13, verse 5, he says, Let your conduct be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. So we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what can man do to me. And we learn that as the Hebrews were wrestling with the reality of this new difficulty in following their Messiah, even some of them thinking about going back to Judaism, going back to formal religion, or in a very real sense, turning their back on Jesus, that one of the things they're supposed to watch out for is their hearts and the covetousness that's in their hearts. Wanting what someone else has to the point that they're willing to take it, even if by force. He says, no, 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 don't go there. Be careful. Because in difficult times, difficult things arise in our lives. Well, we come to 2 Corinthians chapter 8 today to be reminded and see from a different angle the importance of generosity in our lives. And I know that when we begin to talk about from the pulpit on the topics of giving and generosity, it's a very sensitive topic. Unfortunately, but it's true. It shouldn't be so sensitive. I I mean, for example, if, if you are a generous giver, you're a generous giver in your life, in your tithes, and your offerings with people. Then when you hear a Bible study like this, you're like, give it on. Come on, keep it coming. I love to give. I understand generosity. Teach me how to do it better. Teach me the, the heart of the matter. But if, if you're not a giver, if you're not a giver, then a message like this can be offensive. You can read into it mixed motives. You can be all upset about it. I I mean, I I started thinking too, maybe this is your first time ever in this church. Your first time. You just tune on for the very first time online and there it is. You knew it was coming. Here it is. Here we are, honey. Another church and all they want is our money. There it is. And you've got the elbows in the side and go, here it is. Another church just wanting your money. Let me cite the record straight here. We do not want your money. Keep it keep it. It's your money. It's God would given to you. What you do with it is between you and the Lord. No, here at Calvary, we've been in, the, so check this out. We've been in the book of, the, of Hebrews for two and a half years, and we just happen to be on this verse the day you walk in. And you know what that means? This was perfect timing for you. 
This was the appointment of God to talk about such a sensitive subject. It shouldn't be. It's too bad because over the years, people have been taken advantage of by pulpits and pastors. People have been taken advantage of by those on the radio or televangelists. Somehow equating your relationship with God with your money and how much you give. And I want to publicly apologize for those ministries that have taken advantage of you. It's wrong. It's not the heart of God. But you know, it's not a 21st century issue. The issue is from us from the beginning. There there is this tendency in our lives to be tight-fisted. We learned that last time. Nobody worships like this. When Pastor Ian asked us to raise our hands, nobody lifted them tight-fisted. At least I didn't notice anyone. But rather, when we lift our hands to God and worship, our hands are open because that's symbolic. It's symbolic of, I'm ready to receive from you, God. I surrender to you, God. I am ready to, to all that you have for me, I want to receive it. And therefore, I let go so that I might receive. And the same is true when it comes to the money and possessions and things that God entrusts to us. It's just too bad that when you hear a Bible study on giving or tithing or offerings or generosity, that you automatically turn it off and you shouldn't. You should listen closely. You should get to the edge of your seat. You should pay attention with all fervency of what God wants to do in releasing this new grace and gift in your life. Which brings us to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. It's so important that I believe in the life of our church in the current difficulties that we've been facing that we are reminded again of the generosity that God wants to develop in and through our lives. With affliction comes deeper generosity. I know it's counterintuitive. (laughs) It's very counterintuitive. When difficult times come, we tend to circle the wagons. We tend to protect what little we have left. But the Bible is here to remind you that in times of great difficulty, you might see that God will give you a greater generous heart, not a lesser one. That your heart will now be connected with other hurting. Now that you've been hurt, now that you've gone through it, now that you're struggling, your heart is like, man, if anyone else is struggling, I want to help them. I want to bless them in Jesus' name. I want to be used by God in these last days. And that's what's happening here in chapter 8. Now, if you want to study more on this, when we went through verse by verse in Corinthians here, 2 Corinthians, we did a whole series on giving. And you can go to our app or our website, and those are all posted there to help you understand the heart of giving. But I want to do a flyover here on these verses to tie them together with the heart of where we are in Hebrews, because generosity is so important. And we are at a point in time like never before in history, in our country, in our lives, where generosity can just flourish among us as the church. And I really believe, let me just say this at the outset, I really believe generosity will be the language of reaching a lost world. Because you know how the world is just pointing the finger at the church right now? They're just greedy. They're just full of hypocrites. They're filled with hate and all the accusations. And if you choose to take that head on, you're not going to win. This is, we're not going to make any progress. Oh, we're not. You're hateful. We're not hateful. You're hateful. We're not hateful. And before you know it, you look a lot like you're hateful trying to prove your point. But I'll tell you what will get behind all of that. I'll tell you that we'll we'll sneak right under that is the generous, loving heart of Jesus through your life. I mean, it's really hard for someone to say, you're so hateful when you're helping them, (laughs) when you're serving them, when you're blessing them. How? In Jesus' name. And, And all it requires is for you to step out in faith. 
I mean, I, I love being able to share on Sundays because Saturdays I get feedback uh, from the message already on Saturday night. So a brother came up last night and just kind of shared how he took me up on the last time I shared about going to Starbucks. You know, he'd already participated in that, hey, pay for the drink behind me kind of thing. And he's always done that whenever he's on social media or, or in times where he just felt like he wanted to do that. You know, he kind of said, I always did that pay it forward kind of thing. But I took you up and I, and I learned something he shared. He said, so he went to Starbucks and he says, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take care of the guy behind me, whoever's behind me, whatever they order. But, but he learned something as he took it. He did it in Jesus' name this time. And he says, you know what? There is a new relationship with the person in the window in the window, the barista and the person taking my order, as now he's asking them to do that. He said, can you just tell the person behind me that, that the person that I paid for their drink and I paid for their drink in Jesus' name. And now the guy in the window or the guy in the window becomes a messenger of the gospel for him and there's a new relationship with him. He's always in that Starbucks, so it's gonna be repetitive. And now he's learning that God is taking him into greater levels of faith because you know what he said? I'm sure you feel the same way. He said, man, Ed, it was awkward. I said, I know it's awkward. It's weird. Like, who does that? Who does what you did? You do. But I said, once you get past the awkwardness, it's so cool, isn't it? He goes, yes. And you know, for 10 bucks, whatever it was, let's say 10, 15 bucks, God launched this brother into the realm of faith. He went from one level to the next. For what? 10 bucks. I think that's worth 10 bucks to me. And he's got a new relationship. And then who knows what God's going to do in the car behind him? Who knows what happens? But now he's in that realm. And for him, that was generous. That was a big step for him. And God is just doing that in our lives. No, no. Notice in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, Paul is on his way to Jerusalem. And there's going to be an offering, a financial offering that's going to be collected and taken to help the poor, hurting church in Jerusalem. That's what Paul's talking about here. So he uses another church as an example to get them to keep their commitment. So notice verse 1. Moreover, brethren, we make known to you the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, that in a great trial of affliction the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality. Notice right away a couple of things. Number one, notice that this is a church that's in a great trial of affliction. In verse two, a great trial. They, they, they are hurting deeply in their personal lives because of their relationship with Jesus. They are in a great trial of affliction, number one. Number two, notice that they're also in deep poverty, deep poverty. They're not just in affliction, they're in a great trial of affliction. They're not just poor or in poverty, they're in great poverty. So you got affliction and you have poverty, those two together, notice what they sandwich. They sandwich on one side and the other side, the abundance of their joy. This is a church, and that could be a whole different Bible study, to look at how sandwiched between great trial affliction and deep poverty is joy, an abundance of joy. Not circumstantial. Their circumstances are horrible. But in their vertical relationship with God, they're filled with joy. And what happens? Well, they're going through it. They are finding themselves in a deep pit that they probably will never get out of financially but they abounded in the riches of their liberality. They were generous givers. That's another way of saying they were generous givers. The need of the hurting church in Jerusalem was 
put before them, and they gave. They gave liberally. Notice at the end there that word liberality. Circle it. It, it means, it speaks to us of faithful, benevolent, and sincere. Don't think of this word as much, don't think of it as much as amount, like the amount, like they gave this massive amount of money. Think of it more along the lines of ability and circumstances. Like they gave, they gave in a wonderful, joyful way compared to their circumstances. Because God sees all of the circumstances that are in this room today. Some of you, some of you are very well off. God has blessed you financially in every way. And God has blessed you in your career. God has blessed you in your education. God's blessed you in your finances. And you, you are uh, over and above a blessed people. Some of you, uh, you struggle. You're in deep poverty today. Maybe you lost your job this, this year. And maybe you got a pay cut, cutting hours. And all. some of you have two income homes and you're barely able to make it. Like everyone's circumstances here is recognized by God. All of us. Nobody's ignored. Everyone is being recognized. And yet, all of us can be generous. That's the point here. All of us can be generous. Now, you know here in our church, if you've been here long enough, you know that in our fellowship family, we take a rather low-key approach to money. We believe in tithing. And we believe in supporting the work of this church and we also believe in supporting the work of other churches. Some churches just aren't, aren't able to make budget. They're not able to provide for all the... There are other churches that are struggling, like Jerusalem, even like Macedonia. And we feel as a church family that we have an obligation to help them. And we can't help everyone, but we can do something. And that's our approach. Because we've learned over the years, it's been a principle handed down to us, that you can't outgive God. You just simply can't do it. You cannot outgive the generosity of God. And there's great joy when we give. You know, because there's an atmosphere when we start talking about giving and generosity, you know, it's like, oh, there you are. You know, there must be, the church must be hurting right now. It must be, so now we got to pull out our giving message. No, that's not how we operate around here. We go through the Bible. We teach through the topics that are there. When they come up in our regular Bible study, and we pray. Because there's another side, you know, to the church today. You might even see it on so-called Christian television today where they'll look, there'll be guys looking right into the camera and go, okay, pay attention. I just want you to know, if you don't give today, our ministry might disappear. And they make it sound like God is broke, like he went bankrupt or something and he filed bankruptcy and then everything depends upon you. Listen, nothing depends upon you. God owns everything. He has all the cattle on a thousand hills. And I look at sometimes I'll come across these guys that are begging on the, and you know, don't take this and edit it to make it sound like I said that. It's a bigger message, okay? Just so you know. So as, you, as they look at the camera, I'm looking at them, they go, you know, if you don't give, we might disappear. We might go away. You know what I yell at the TV? Go away. <laughs> you don't beg and manipulate and guilt people into giving. That sets up, not only is it wrong and sinful, but it also sets up this resentment, even buyer's remorse. You know, it could even do, it could even, it could even lead to you giving in such a way through pressure and guilt that you don't take care of your own stuff and your own family. Because there is a genuine sincerity in our hearts to obey God. 
And it's not to be messed with. You don't, you don't take advantage of the sheep of God. You don't mess with the bride of Christ, man. It just doesn't have that. You don't do that, although a lot of people do. It's not, it's not God's heart. But giving is a big part. A big part of the Bible, you know. It's a big part of you. Like, like, like in a message like this, you know, if you are a giver, as I mentioned, you, you want to hear this. If you're not a giver, then you're just upset about it all. But you're missing out on what God has for you. The Bible's filled with teaching on money and possessions. For example, 16 of the 38 parables that Jesus taught were concerned with how to handle money and possessions. In the Gospels alone, one out of every 10 verses, 288 in all, deal directly with the subject of money. The Bible offers 500 verses on prayer, less than 500 verses on faith, but more than 2,000 verses on money and possessions. And let me just say, that is, that is, how you handle your money is often reflective of how you handle your life. How you handle your money is often reflective of how you handle your life. Because there will be times as we're going through some deep issues, some deep circumstance, some deep thing that the Lord will just impress upon me to stop the whole conversation and look the guy in the eye or look the couple in the eye and go, do you give? What? What does that have to do with it? Just, I, I don't need to know how much or any of that. I don't need, just, do, are you givers? Uh, well, you know, you know we, haven't been, we haven't been doing it for years. It's reflective in your life. And it often becomes a breakthrough to show them. Because think about it. Giving is so easy. It is so easy. You know how in life so many things happen to us, so many things happen around us, so much is outside of our control that if you try to chase it all down and put these fires out and do that, like it's so, it could be so complicated and hard, but giving is so easy. Many of you can just take out a checkbook and write it out, no problem. You, you can just go online and have it set up automatically. Yes, the question came up last time, should I give on my gross or on my net? You give on your first fruits. You don't give after the government gets theirs. You don't give after the 401k. You don't give, no, you give of your first fruits. It's so easy. And the government knows you have a hard time with that. That's why they take it right out without asking you. God doesn't do that. That's not God. That's not reflective of the heart of God. He doesn't do that. He's not gonna take from you. He'll receive from you, but he's not gonna take it from you. You see, these churches were hurting, and the Corinthians, they needed to understand that as hard as it was for them, those guys in Macedonia, they were encouraging. Their, their giving was encouraging because they gave out of deep affliction and deep poverty, but they were filled with joy, and the joy of the Lord was their strength, and they obeyed God, not because of their poverty, not because they were in great affliction, they obeyed God because God filled them with joy. And whatever station in life you are today, God is wanting you to be generous. He wants us to be generous, whether you're poor or rich. I mean, whatever we are, poor or rich today, we have more resources, no matter our station in life, than, I don't know, 95% of the world. 95% of the world's population lives in abject poverty. Much of our own population here in Aurora and Denver, under the poverty line, struggling. 
And here's what happens. This is how we get caught up in culture and society. We get caught up in the, the American dream that we are very good at prejudging people instead of being generous with them. You know, you might walk by a homeless encampment and go, what's wrong with these people? What are they doing in my neighborhood? Why don't they just go get a job? You know what? Hey, before you even go there, why don't you talk to them? Find out what their story is. Yeah, certainly. There may be in your conversations with those that are homeless right now, there may be a few that that's their choice in life, maybe. And then you might talk to, out of 10, six of them have addiction issues. Yeah. That's a bummer, isn't it? That's a bummer that six out of 10 would be addicted to some substance that would harm them in such a way. And, and yes, they would be doing harm to themselves, sure. <laughs> Whether it's done to them or they do it to themselves, doesn't your heart break that a guy is under the influence of alcohol? He's just strung out on drugs all the time. He doesn't have a family, or his kids, no connection, living in a tent on a street in Colfax. Doesn't that break your heart? Doesn't it move you to help in some way? I don't have the answer socially to that. I don't know how God's going to work it out, but I do know that the church is a big part of it individually. But we're so quick to judge. We're so quick to point the fingers. Why? Because our comfort and ease is being threatened. We're being stirred. And God wants you to be stirred. And he wants your comfort and ease threatened because he doesn't want you trusting in those things. He wants you being a part of the solution, not a part of the problem. That's the church. That's the reputation of the church should be the ones that help. There was a time when churches were building hospitals, not for profit. I mean, they've become a very profitable business today, but not for profit, just to help. That the Christians were going into the leper colonies. That, that the United States here, we were sending more missionaries out than all other countries combined. It's not so anymore. People are praying for us right now, praying for our country. People, there are nations all around the world sending missionaries to us. Why? There's a variety of reasons, but I'll tell you how to get back. It's to have a generous heart. We don't want to stand in judgment. We want to help. Find out what their story is. Pray with them. Encourage them. See what God might want to do through us. This church gave liberally, and we have to ask ourselves, does that describe me? Does that describe my giving? Do I give naturally? Do I give abundantly? Do I give liberally? Or am I known as someone who's tight-fisted and always holding back? I know, it's a I know it's a broad subject. It applies to giving of tithes and offerings. That's so easy. It's so easy. It is so easy to give in your local church. God made it abundantly easy. Do I, do I find myself looking for opportunities to serve others in Jesus' name? Am I putting strings attached to everything? Am I unconditionally loving or am I putting strings attached to everything I do? The heart of the matter is always more. You can jot this down. It's the psalm of repentance. But in the psalm of repentance, listen to what, listen to what David says in Psalm 51. As he winds down, he's just so broken over his sin, so broken by how far he got from God, so broken by the, the horrible decisions he made. And as he repents, he says this, Psalm 51, verse 16. For you do not desire sacrifice, or else I would give it. You do not delight in burnt offering. No, 
The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit and a broken and a contrite heart. These, O God, you will not despise. And as our hearts are broken and soft before God, the other practical parts of our life flow very naturally. Very naturally. You would think in affliction and difficulty we would pull back, but page after page after page in the Bible, the life of faith is that when affliction hits and poverty visits, the church moves forward with power and faith and faith. Notice with me now back in 2 Corinthians in verse 3, it says, For I bear witness that according to their ability, yes, beyond their ability, they were freely giving, or excuse me, freely willing, begging us with much urgency that we should receive the gift and the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. And this they did, not as we had hoped, but first gave themselves to the Lord, then to us by the will of God. So we urged Titus, that as he had begun, so he would also complete this grace in you as well. Verse 7. But as you abound in everything, in faith and speech and knowledge and all diligence, and in your love for us, see that you abound in this grace also. Three times this word is used. It's going to be used, I think, seven or eight times as he moves forward from this text. But he describes giving as from grace to grace and actually literally an act of grace. You're giving says, you abound in everything else, abound in giving as well. Let your reputation know that you have faith and you have speech and you have knowledge and your diligence and you have love, but also be known as a people who give as well. So check this out. The, the, the church in Macedonia, they gave, it says, it says, according to their ability. And then he says, yes, beyond their ability. Now, Circle that phrase, beyond their ability, and next to it you could write sacrificial. Sacrificial. In another place, Paul will tell the church in Corinth, when I'm talking to you about giving, I'm not asking you to give so that now you're in great need. You give to your ability, but there are all those occasions when you give sacrificially, self Like You give to the point where it's painful. So, so here's what, let's just use a $100 bill, for example. I know it, it's an it's a illustration that, that is short on some things, but let me, let's just say you got 100 bucks. God gives you $100. Giving to your ability would be something like this. If you had $100 and you gave of your tithe to the church, you gave $10, now you have $90 that you can live on and you can use for whatever your needs and wants are. So you're giving to your ability. You're doing what you're supposed to do. You have 100 bucks, you're giving of your tithe, which literally means 10%. It may be 15 because you're giving an offering. So you, have, you give 10, you have 90 to live on. To give sacrificially would be more along the lines of this. You have the $100, you give 90, and you learn to live on the 10, the wants and the needs that you have to live on the 10. And you go, wait a minute, Ed, how could we do that? I don't understand how could we possibly do that. How could I give 90 and live on the 10? Well, I suggest to you that you would do it the same way, that you live on the 90, and you give the 10. Or... Maybe some of you give a $100 bill and you give nothing. So you've chosen to live on the 100. So how do you live on the 100? And how do you live on the 90? And how do you live on the 10? We all live the same way, by faith. Now, of course, if you don't give anything, then you're really trusting in the 100 bucks. And isn't it interesting 
if that's you and you don't ever give anything ever to anyone, you just kind of hold on to it, isn't it interesting? It's never enough. It just never seems to be enough. That you got 100 bucks, but your bills are 120. And so what do you do? Well, it's not just your bills. It's your wants too. You know, so you start to live above your means. And you start to dig holes. And you start to borrow. And you start to open up credit cards. And it just goes worse and worse and worse and worse. The person that's 10 and 90 lives by faith. I believe God. I give my tithe. I give of what God has asked me. And, and I live on the 90. And then if it comes to that above your ability, it just the Lord just speaks to you. I don't know how I'm going to do this. I don't know why I would do this. But, but I just feel like God wants me to give 90. And I'm just going to this time. And, and you do that, you're going to live by faith. But you can see, you can see, you can see now when it comes to generosity, to the level that you're generous will be to the level you depend upon God by faith. So you can choose nothing and trust your money. You can choose sacrificially. You see, this was a unique situation. This was a unique opportunity. This was something unique. And the church in Macedonia saw the opportunity. They felt their own poverty. And like, you got other churches, are like, like we need to help them. We need to support them. And they gave sacrificially. And don't think of it, you know, as, like, as if they gave a million dollars. God is not asking you to give what you don't have. <laughs> That's another thing they do on TV, right? If you don't have it right now, then just put it on your credit card. No, don't do that. God is not asking you to go in debt to support some ministry. Don't do that. God would rather have you get out of debt so that you have freedom with all that he's entrusted to you so that you can do what God has called you to do. So don't, don't do that. Don't listen to those guys. Don't even though you have a sincere heart. So, so here, he's like, look, he's like, look, this is a unique opportunity. An opportunity that, man, we can really help. And, and it's not like they're, they're not, they didn't give like a billion dollars. They didn't have a billion dollars. Maybe this offering from the church in Macedonia was, was a couple hundred shekels or something. You know, who knows? We look at it and go, oh, that's not very much. What do you mean that's not very much? They gave above their ability. To me, that's a lot. It's not measured in dollars and cents. It's measured in heart. That's how God sees us. Some of you can give a lot. Uh, You know, if we measure by money, some of you can give a little. But it's proportionate to where you are. And that's the key. You don't want to compare yourself. You just want to be faithful with where you are. And some of you, you need to learn to give sacrificially. You need to learn to step out in faith when the Lord's speaking to you. Some of you just need to give to begin with. It's disobedient. It's kind of like water baptism. Well, I don't want to be water baptized. Then go ahead and live a disobedient life. That's what it is. That's it. That's that simple. Well, you know, I just, I don't, I don't want to give. I don't trust. Okay, well then just choose to live disobediently and understand that it's going to cost you far greater to disobey God. It's going to cost you in every area of life. You go, come on, Ed, what do you mean by that? Well, turn over to chapter nine. We don't have time to develop this, but I want to read it to you. Chapter 9, verse 6. You know the principle, sowing and reaping? Sow to the flesh, reap corruption. Sow to the spirit, everlasting life. Just like a farmer. A farmer knows. Sows corn, going to have a crop of corn. What you sow is what you reap. So what does he say? But I say this. He who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, because God loves a cheerful giver. 
So the sowing, the giving, another one that gets manipulated where, well, if you give that seed faith, that sow that seed into my ministry, God will give you a million-fold return. No, he won't. It doesn't work like that. If that was true, then I'll tell the televangelist, you give me the million dollars, bro, and you get the million-fold return. But they never do that. Oh, no, 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 that doesn't work like that. No, this is a heart issue. I mean, if a farmer wanted a large crop, he would sow a lot of seed. Yes? You guys with me? If he doesn't want a large crop, then he can throw a few out there and just go back to doing whatever he wants to do. But see, he lives off what he sows. So you, your life reflects what and how you sow in life. Whether it's money, that's the context here. Whether it's grace, whether it's forgiveness, whether it's mercy, if you're sowing seeds of peace, love, righteousness, then the bountiful return will come. When you give, God returns that in a variety of different ways. A variety of different ways. It's going to be all sorted out in the Bema seat where the rewards are given out. We don't know now. We really don't know. We kind of see a little bit. We kind of feel like we get testimonies of things. That, but we really don't know how God's chosen to use our obedience. He doesn't need to use us. Like, he can do it without us. But I just want to be a part of it. Personally, me and my family, that's how I raised my family. That's how Marie and I, when we, got, when we were born again, how God developed our marriage. How I wanted to disciple my kids. I, I wanted us to be generous. I wanted to learn. I still want to grow in my generosity. I'm not there yet. And I don't think I'll be there until I get face to face with Jesus, but I want to grow. I want to give more of my greediness away, my covetousness away, my tight-fistedness. As Paul's on his way to Jerusalem, he tells them, these guys are givers. So, so when he comes to chapter 9, he says, so bountifully, you'll reap bountifully. And then he says, give as each one purposes in his heart, which to some people go, well, you know, I just purpose on my heart not to give, Ed. All right, fine. But that is not the heart of Jesus. Because when you abide in Christ, this isn't even an issue. But if you want a purpose in your heart not to give, don't give. Now, I've never seen this happen, but I use it as an illustration all the time. You know, maybe today God stirs you, okay, Ed, I will give. And you say it just like that. I'll give, give me the picture, give me the checkbook. And you start writing it. And you're just grunting and groaning. Where's that dumb box he said? Where is it? Where is it? And you walk over. Here is your, just take it. We don't want it. I don't have a key to the boxes, but I'll find somebody that does and we'll give it back to you. We don't want it. That's what the Bible says. He doesn't want you to be all upset and mad about it, holding grudge. You're going to do it grudgingly. Your heart's not there yet. That's actually a bigger issue than you giving is the condition of your heart. Okay, I'll go do it at Starbucks. I will do it. Just don't do it. Now, last time I shared this before, somebody emailed me and go, Ed, you can't tell the church to be disobedient. Okay, I'm not telling you to be disobedient. I believe you should give. I believe it. But I'm also letting the Bible say what it says. Give with the right heart. Give generously, happily. That word, as one pastor has said, where it says cheerful, could also be translated hilariously, where you're just so filled with joy like the Macedonians. You're like, yeah, praise God, man. Use it, Lord. Use it. 
and learn the principle that you cannot give God. Learn it. Learn it for yourself. Learn of the faithfulness of God. You'll be able to have a testimony looking back and just saying, oh man, God, you've been so good. You give to the needs of your local church, yes. You give to the offerings, perhaps, of people around you, yes. You look to the world that you're in and you bless, yes, 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 yes. You just learn to say yes. You learn to be open. You learn to put away your prejudices and things that hold you back from people in need and you just go and engage them and talk to them about their life. You begin to build a relationship with strangers. I know it's weird and it's awkward, but once you start stepping into people's lives, it is normal. It becomes normal for you. And it's not as awkward as you think. You just got to get through it, man. You just got to do it. Do it the first time. Do it the second time. And before you know it, you're like, I want to do it a third time. I want to do it a fourth time. Who's next? And people are going to be running away from you. (laughs) You're just like, man, here he comes again. Yeah, here he comes again. And it's not, and then because the event is weird and awkward, you don't have to be weird and awkward. You don't have to, like, you're just that caring, loving person. And it started in your local church because you're faithful there. And it's just, that's the start. That's the, the, the start gun goes off and you're off and running. But, but if you're disobedient here, you're going to be disobedient there. If you sow sparingly here, you're going to be so sparingly there. God has been so good. I've, I've been, I mean, I look, at, I look at our church over the years. God's just been so gracious to us. He's been so faithful. He provides for our needs above our needs, above and beyond. He's so good. And I can say as a church, like we, we, as a pastor, I don't, we don't need your money. We can do ministry without money. We did before. Like God is over the years, I believe, and trusts us. He, he allows us to have more because he can trust us with it. But we were, there were times when we had nothing. But you know what we had? We had faith. <laughs> we prayed. We depend upon the Lord. And we have to learn every step of the way not to lose the faith in prayer as God blesses. But like this isn't a message as I close. It's not a message to stir you up and okay, everybody, we got to give because the church has a need. No, you need to give because it's the right thing to do. It's your obedient offer unto God. He knows what he's doing. And the thing he touches the most is the things that we value the most. And the things that we value the most are usually the things that we have the tightest grip on. And I promise you, for many of you listening to me right now, it's money. And if you read the book of James, you learn it's not the amount of money you have. Because you can have more than enough and hold on to it tightly. And you can have great poverty and you can hold on to it tightly. Why? Because it's a hard issue. It's a hard issue. And you can work this thing over here and you can work that thing over here and you can do the chess pieces and you can do whatever you want, but that's you. And you're gonna always be limited by you. But when you finally surrender and you open up and say, you know, Lord, I I heard him. I heard him last time. I heard him again. I just wanna be more generous. You just start praying that way. And then give the feedback of where God leads you. I'd love to hear it. I don't know. I don't know what it's gonna be. Maybe you're gonna get involved in the go teams for the first time. And you're just going to find yourself in love with the work of missions and the mission field. And you're going to anticipate what it's like to be a missionary and what it's like to live by faith on the field. You know, they all raise their own support. And so as you're raising support for your trip, you're going to like, man, this is what a missionary does every day. Yes, this is how they live. 
and they're excited and they're vibrant and they're just going for it in the Lord. Maybe that's it. I don't know, but I do know this. This has been a series of challenging messages for me both to put together and to write out and deliver because God is speaking to me about going to another level of faith. Speaking to me about another level of faith for my family. And I'm excited about it because I want to follow through with exactly, I want to be in with you. Otherwise, I'll be a hypocrite. I don't want to be a hypocrite. And so as the Lord's speaking to me, I'm like, okay, what's next, Lord? What do you have for me? And I'm finding that I have my own stories at Starbucks or at Circle K or at Safeway. It's beautiful. Even when I asked you guys, hey, here's a simple one. Start blessing the waiter and waitresses at the restaurants. Well, you know what? That can be a very expensive thing to do. But joyful. Blessing these men and women. They work their tails off. And this becomes a bridge to love on them and care for them. And it's only money. God can replace money. You write this down. God can replace money. But your integrity can take forever to replace. Your testimony and your witness can take forever. But man, money, God replaces that all the time. And you can live with joy and peace and kindness and goodness as the Spirit of God fills your heart. Amen? So Father, we want to be generous. Like the Hebrews, we don't want to be covetous. So help us let our conduct be without covetous. And, you know, we can all grow in this area, certainly. Even the givers, even those with the gift of giving, they can grow, but they want to grow. <laughs> That's the thing. They love to give. So let that pour into our hearts, Lord. Let, let us believe by faith what you said, Jesus, that it is more blessed to give than to receive. And even with the church in Macedonia, our brothers and sisters, this is not some abstract church. This was a real group of believers up in northern Greece. They begged Paul to take their offering. They begged, please take it. We want to participate. We want to help our friends in Jerusalem. So God, would you, I know there's a lot going on in the world today. I know there's a lot of arguments, political, social, cultural, all of that. But I know generosity gets right behind all of that nonsense. And it gets right to the heart of demonstrating your great love for this world. Because you gave your son. You gave your best. We all have benefited from it. Most. Some listening to me may not have. And maybe you're here today. You've never benefited from the great gift of God. The forgiveness of your sins. Well, I want to invite you to receive Jesus today. Repent of your sins. Say, you know what? My life has been in the wrong direction. I need to follow God. God wants you to follow him. He wants you to turn away from your sinful past and to receive him, to follow him, to dedicate your life to the greatest cause, the cause of Jesus Christ. So here today, if you're here, you say, Ed, I want to follow Jesus. Would you just stand up? Stand where you are. I want to pray with you. Just wherever you are, just stand to your feet, acknowledge it publicly, and I'll, I'll come alongside of you and I'll help you pray to God and ask God to forgive you of your sins. Is there anyone here that would say, Ed, that's me? I want to follow God today. It's amazing how we're talking about giving. We're talking about what God's wanting to do in your life. But, but really, how we're going to end it, what God wants to give you. What God wants to give you. Think about that. The removal of guilt and shame. The, the, the focused purpose to be used by Him. I mean, amazing what God wants to do. Maybe you're out downstairs. I know downstairs filling up again. You're downstairs watching on a screen, watching online, 
listening on the radio today, wherever you might be, God knows you personally. But I really believe in the room right now, there is a need for you to respond. So why don't you just do it? And finally surrender once and for all. Finally. Today would be the day you finally give up fighting. So let me just say, for those near or far that need to get their life right with God, here's what the Bible says. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So let me help you with that. You can say, God, I believe that I've sinned against you and I ask you to forgive me of all of my sin. I believe Jesus lived, died, and rose again to forgive me. And I dedicate my life to following you. And I'm asking you, God, to help me turn away from my sin. To let it go. To forsake it. And I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. We pray that you've been encouraged by this Bible study delivered live from the sanctuary of Calvary Aurora. For prayer or a copy of this study, call us at 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-304-7223. Or visit us online at calvaryaurora.org. Be blessed as you worship Jesus this week.